Hi. Hi. Welcome to Paranormal History. I'm Naomi. I'm Bree. And this is our podcast. They know that. <laughs> you do know that because you're here. Welcome. This being the first episode and all, we wanted to explain what this podcast is, why you're going to love it, and how the episodes will be structured. First off, we're history nerds. Um, oh, I'm an engineer. You're a she's, history nerd. She's a different kind of nerd. <laughs> a huge piece of this podcast is going to be simply delving into all of the weird, intricate history behind each unique location we choose. We're going to cover everything from famous locations, such as the Winchester Mystery House in Alcatraz, to, ooh. Yeah, ooh, to lesser-known places around the world. Um, and depending on how this goes, we might even do people's private homes or towns. So all of that being said, if you're even slightly into history or folklore, this podcast is for you. Secondly, Bree is a medium. In case you don't know what that is, it's a person who can see, hear, and feel things that other people normally can't. The last bit of each episode will dedicate to going over any apparitions, emotions, and overall paranormal experiences we personally had during our visit to each location. That being said, this is not some cheesy ghost hunting show. That is so far from our vision for this project, right? Yep. <laughs> so even if you're a skeptic, um, even if you don't believe in the afterlife, cool. We still want you here. Um, since the episodes will be divided into sections, you can feel free to join us for our history and folklore lessons and just tune out for the recap of our spiritual experiences. But you won't. Because it's awesome, guys. So awesome. <laughs> You're basically just going to get to hear about us talking about the places that we visit and our fun adventures. Pretty like, much. Who doesn't want to hear that? <laughs> so um, we decided to kick off the podcast with what is arguably one of the most historically and architecturally fascinating places in the world, the Winchester Mystery House. There's a lot of legends woven into the web of facts here, and we want to try to separate fact from fiction to the best of our ability. We got our information for this episode from an article written by Katie Serena in April 2019 on All That's Interesting, an article from Vanity Fair written by Joanna Robinson in February 2018, the house's official website, winchestermysteryhouse.com, and some information we even got from the tour itself when we went in person. There's a ton of information to unpack here, so just grab a cup of coffee or your drink of choice and hang tight. We're going to learn a lot about Sarah Winchester and her fun house today. So, Sarah Winchester was born Sarah Party in New Haven, Connecticut. Her exact year of birth is unknown, but it's estimated that she was born around 1840. Quick side note, I thought it was interesting that in all of the research I did, nobody really seems to know when she was born. Seems like they would have some sort of census or something. Interesting. I don't know. She was one of seven children, so do they know when any of the seven children are born? Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> her dad was Leonard Party, and her mother was Sarah W. Burns. Both parents were respected members of the upper class, largely due to her father being a successful carriage manufacturer. Like the carriages that horses bring around? I'm guessing so. Okay. 
That's interesting, though. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> I guess it would be the same thing as, um, you know, like a car manufacturer nowadays, right? It's kind of interesting that you have a manufacturing plant for carriages, but yet horses are driving them around. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. So basically a bunch of people just building a a carriage is what they're saying. Like, it's people out in the lumber yard. That's all it is, right? That's what I would assume. (laughs) It's weird. Okay. I'm going to delve into the history of carriage making later, but sorry. So back to Sarah. She was... Very intelligent and well-educated. According to several sources, she spoke fluent Latin, French, Spanish, and Italian as a child. And English, I'm assuming. So I guess she actually spoke five languages, if this is true. What about speaking to ghosts? That would be like six, right? It would. Okay. There's a movie about that. It's called The Sixth Sense. There we go. (laughs) It's the sixth language. (laughs) She was said to be skilled in musical composition, math, and science. Sarah also went on to attend the Young Ladies Collegiate Institute at Yale College, so we can assume that she was smart as hell. Even if you're from the upper crust of society, I feel like it takes a lot of brains to learn that many languages. I can barely keep up with Duolingo. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Fast forward to when Sarah was old enough to get married, and her William Wirt, Wirt... Wirt. That's a fun name to say. Wirt. Wirt. W-I-R-T, people. William Wirt. Oh, look, little Wirt. <laughs> running around. We should just Winchester. Call, call him William Winchester. Yeah. <laughs> the only son of Oliver Winchester and heir of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Information about exactly how William and Sarah originally met is a bit hazy, but they were both the children of New Haven elites and may have even grown up together. There's no direct evidence to suggest that, but it's not outlandish either. It sounds like it was basically an arranged marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the parents probably just got together saying, Hi, we're rich and we have kids who are the age to be married. Can we have a business agreement? (laughs) I want to keep the money in the money. Yes. Exactly. Can't have your daughter running off with a poor stable boy now. Right? Someone making, manufacturing those carriages. (laughs) That would be unheard of. So scandalous. Regardless, Sarah Party became Sarah Winchester on September 30th, 1862. In 1866, Sarah and William welcomed their first and only child together, Annie. Unfortunately, Annie was born with marasmus. She Ooh, had marasmus. That's just fun to say. Marasmus. <laughs> just terrible condition where you basically are unable to absorb calories. So tragic. Her only child pretty much starved to death. 40 days after she was born, and there was absolutely nothing Sarah and William could do about it. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, but it's fun to say. Marasmus. Marasmus. It's a fun word, but it's a horrible, horrible thing. Right. And it's actually super sad. So, uh, this was just one of the many tragedies Sarah Winchester would experience in her lifetime. In 1880, her father in law, Oliver Winchester, passed away. Then, in 1881, just a year later, her husband died of tuberculosis, or consumption, as they called it back in the olden days. The result of this was that Sarah ended up inheriting half of William's stake in the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, which was $20 million. So, in today's money, that's $500 million. Damn. (laughs) Like, think of all of the things we could buy for $500 million. And all of a sudden, it was just all hers. Like, her father-in-law and her husband were both gone. She was rich. Um, Her stake in the company also granted her an income of approximately $1,000 a day, 
which in today's money is about $26,000 per day. What would you even do with that money if you got $26,000 per day? I think that's what makes this story what it is, is that she went and built a crazy house with it (laughs) and just kept building. But we'll get into that. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, what I want you to take away from this section is that Sarah Winchester was fucking loaded, not like a Winchester rifle. Like, she was just super, super rich. Um, yeah. So up until this point in our recap of Sarah's life, we've been able to share more or less straight facts with all of you. Here's the point in the story where we have to start dividing up facts and fiction. First, I'm going to go over the legend part. So allegedly, Sarah had a lot of guilt over the thousands of people who have been killed by guns manufactured by the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. This is probably the story that all of you have heard about Sarah Winchester. It's very commonly told. Since she had recently just come into a ton of money and had no clue what to do with it, she sought the advice of a medium in Boston. During this meeting, she told the medium about her feelings of guilt, to which the medium replied, go out west and build a house for these spirits to live in. And apparently, according to legend, Sarah just up and left to go build a ghost hotel. I mean, that's easy when you get $26,000 per day or $1,000 back in her She's like, these ghosts are going to have five-star accommodations. I've got it. Don't worry about it. And then she took off in her carriage manufactured by her father and set out west. Yep. (laughs) And that's the end of the story. Uh, Yeah, so according to the legend, the house was designed with the purpose to confuse spirits, which resulted in staircases that led you directly into the ceiling, doors that drop off into oblivion, and secret passageways. Because apparently in this reality, ghosts will walk through a door on an upper floor and fall into the garden below them. (laughs) When a ghost falls out of stairway, do they still say, ah, or do they say, I don't know. I don't know. But apparently, that was the logic behind it. Interesting. (laughs) Furthermore, the legend goes that construction continued constantly until Sarah Winchester has passed away in an effort to pacify the restless spirits that plagued her and her family. It's said that she regularly held seances, um, was extremely recluse, and mad as a hatter. Now, let's go into what is most likely to have actually happened, according to historians. So after the death of her husband, it's thought that Sarah did indeed visit a medium for advice on what to do with her large fortune. Whether this medium was in Boston or actually gave Sarah any guidance to build a ghost maze out west is unknown. It's actually very unlikely that Sarah left the East Coast for anything to do with angry spears. She actually had a fair amount of extended family in the Bay Area, most of whom had relocated there during the gold rush. So it's thought that she likely just wanted to start a new life out there. I would, too, to be honest. I don't blame her. Right? (laughs) So, um, Sarah ended up buying a modest farmhouse on a 161-acre plot of land in modern-day San Jose, California, and moved there in 1884, so about three years after William, her husband, had passed away. Um, Something I thought was interesting is that Sarah actually designed the vast majority of the house herself, which a lot of people don't know. When we went on the tour of the house, I remember our tour guide mentioning that she thought Sarah Winchester was a genius, and the more I learn about her, the more I agree with that statement. I'd agree. Yeah. Incredible woman. Um, Something interesting about the house's design is that there are many repetitions of the number 13. 
13 panes in a stained glass window, 13 stairs, 13 hooks in Sarah's seance room, 13 bathrooms. Although apparently there's only one toilet out of all of those bathrooms. <laughs> um, many people thought this was just another mark of her superstition and possible insanity, but, um, you know, to me that doesn't make a lot of sense because the number 13 is usually considered an unlucky number by superstitious people. So a more plausible theory is that this went back to Sarah's math background and she found the number to be mathematically perfect when designing the house. Um, ultimately, no one actually knows why she was obsessed with the number 13, but... Um, could have just been our lucky number. Yeah, it could have been. My favorite number's 13. I was born on the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You know? Um, I mean, maybe she just did it to mess with us. True. I don't know. According to numerous sources, including our tour guide, Sarah treated her employees very well. They all had ex excellent accommodations and were paid a higher wage than the average employee, typically paid during the time period. It's usually three times the typical wage, so everybody wanted to work for her. She treated her employees like family so much that she actually built a house on the grounds for the foreman and his family. And when his family outgrew the first house, she built a bigger and better house for him. Damn, I would love to be the foreman on the grounds. And it's still there, too. They showed us, do you remember, they showed us that house. They pointed it out. We yeah. didn't go in there. but And it was huge, guys. It's, it wasn't just like a little tiny shack at the edge of the property. It was a big no. house. The first <laughs> was house nice. was huge. Yeah. How many bosses of, you, of yours would do that? So, yeah. She Zero. was a great person to work for. As a result, her employees were very loyal to her, so much that they didn't really talk a lot about things that went on inside the house. I think that added greatly to the air of mystery surrounding Sarah and her estate. Another part of the legend that is particularly true is that Sarah was reclusive. According to historians, she wasn't unfriendly the way that the legend made her out to be. She simply kept to herself. And why wouldn't you? When you've built yourself a gigantic maze of a house, yeah. that just sounds like an introvert's dream. I and she like... had all those workers and, like, the yeah, people on it. Yeah, it wasn't like she was by herself in this huge Yeah, house. she just... Stayed within her grounds, basically, which was huge. It's huge. not like she I mean, just stayed in a condo and never left, you know? That's a way different thing. Totally, totally. I feel like if you and I had a house that big, we would probably never leave either, and people would be like, oh, the crazy old ladies that live in the house. Yeah. With a million dogs. <laughs> Lots of books. <laughs> so, yeah. Introvert stream. At the peak of its construction, the house stood seven stories tall and had a whopping 500 rooms. The earthquake of 1906 unfortunately reduced the house to just four stories. During that earthquake, Sarah was actually trapped inside the Daisy Room, which was her bedroom at the time. Um, I thought it was a really neat little space. It had that sparkly wallpaper, like Edward Cullen type sparkle. Oh yeah, and you couldn't touch it. Yeah, you're not allowed to touch it, because, um, and apparently they're, they might, I, I think that they just uncovered it a couple of years ago, and they're worried that the sun might actually do some damage to it, so they might cover it up again, so we were actually really lucky to get to see the sparkly wallpaper. Anyways, um, on the tour, there are portions of the room that were damaged or sectioned off with plexiglass, um, and that's because they never actually completed, completely repaired it after the earthquake. And in the bedroom door, you can see marks from where Sarah's workers had to pry the door open to get her out. Apparently, she was trapped in the room for several hours before they were able to free her, which had to have been terrifying. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be trapped in a room. 
Like, first of all, this huge earthquake happens, your house is falling apart, and then you're just stuck in the room like, help! <laughs> yeah. There was no life alert back then. <laughs> so after all of the damage of the earthquake caused, Sarah ended up just sealing off that wing of the house. What some historians think happened as a result of that is portions of the house never being completed. Hence all of the doors, passages, and windows that make no sense with no context. Another thing to add here is that since Sarah is the one who designed the majority of the house, she may have had plans for additional rooms or wings of the house that were never completed and left these oddities all over the place. Which I actually agree with. 100%. Me too. Me I think too. she had doors that went nowhere and staircases that went nowhere in order for her to easily build up, build more. Yeah, I mean, and when you look at where... Like, the door to nowhere, for example, when you look at where that's located on the house, she easily could have added another wing right where that was. There was plenty of space outside of that. It's not like it was just in the middle of nothing, you know? I mean, so it, it makes sense. Something else that history can explain about the house is that Sarah designed it with her own comfort in mind. You know, it was her house. Sarah actually had crippling rheumatoid arthritis, which a lot of people don't know, and back then, there weren't very many treatments available for the disease, and it could quickly become debilitating, especially in the damp Bay Area winters. So in the house, there's a series of stairs with multiple switchbacks, and each of the steps is only about an inch or two high. The interesting thing about these switchbacks, though, is this regular stairs are next to them, and you go in these closets that are these switchbacks. So clearly, the stairs was done first, the switchbacks were done second. Mm-hmm. So probably after Sarah's arthritis got bad enough, she was like, look, I can't go up this flight of stairs. And the tour guide even gave us the option. She said, okay, you can go up the stairs, the regular stairs, or you can go up the zigzaggy staircase with us. We definitely took the zigzag staircase. Way more fun. It yeah. just took way longer. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. <laughs> and when you're going up it, it feels more like you're just zigzagging up a ramp. Like, it doesn't feel like stairs. And it was not, in fact, designed to confuse an angry mob of ghosts at all. It was just because she needed a way to get up the stairs. Um, and later in life, um, her arthritis didn't allow her to lift her feet more than a couple of inches off the ground. So in the context of an aging woman with a chronic health condition, there are actually a lot of things about the house that start to make more sense. For example, there's a huge space in the house, and I say space because it's more of a series of rooms than a single room, called the Hall of Fires. There are a bunch of fireplaces in the Hall of Fires, hence the name, and the <laughs> entire purpose of this space was to soothe Sarah's arthritis. She would shut herself in there with the fires going full blast and not come out until her pain level was more tolerable. Kind of like a sauna, like a dry sauna in a way, but mm -hmm. fireplace method. Yeah. I mean, that would be very nice. <laughs> her reclusiveness, especially later in her life, also may have just been due to her not feeling well. I wouldn't want to go out either. Me either. Like, I have fibromyalgia, and when that acts up, I don't want to go anywhere. And I'm turning 30 this year, so I can't imagine <laughs> being an older lady with arthritis and no medication or anything for it. Something that seems to have a bit of both fact and legend woven into it is whether Sarah was a spiritualist. There is evidence to suggest that she regularly held seances in her home, and on the tour they even take you to the room where Sarah was thought to host them. 
Legend says that Sarah even had a secret room behind the seance room in case she needed to make a quick getaway if the seance was interrupted. There is indeed a secret room hidden behind a panel, but um, whether that's actually what its use was, nobody really knows. The secret room does also lead to other parts of the house, so it might have just been a room that was built on and never used much, but either way, secret passage. Super cool. Super cool. I want a secret passage. I do too. <laughs> Goals. I did want to point I did want to point to the fact that Sarah was alive during the height of the spiritualist movement. It was um societal standard, I feel like, right? Especially with rich people. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> to be involved in things like séances instead of inviting your girlfriends over for tea or crumpets, it was all about tea and let's summon dead people. It's Yay. not far-fetched at all that Sarah Winchester was one of those people. According to some sources, Sarah also held séances in the witch's cap, which is basically just a turret in the house. They take you there on hard hat tours. It's not a stop on the normal house tour. Cool tidbit about the witch's cap, if you stand in the exact center of the room and talk, you can hear the sound of your own voice all around you because of the shape of the room and the ceiling. It's hard to describe, but it's trippy. Yeah, we got to do that. We paid a little extra for the Explore More tour. It was super fun. Don't mind our papers, guys. We're new at this. <laughs> there was a widely spread rumor that President Teddy Roosevelt showed up at the Winchester House unannounced one day, and Sarah slammed the door in his face. While this story has not been 100% debunked, it's not thought to be true at all. Um, from what I was able to find, it doesn't sound like Sarah was a huge fan of unannounced house calls, but who was really a fan of those anyway? I'm not. I, I hate it when people just show up at my house and I'm sitting there with my cheese puffs and my bathrobe, like, who are you? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's said that Sarah actually was very welcoming and it's proven that she was a generous person just pay based on the way that she treated her employees alone. She also donated a large sum of money to a hospital in New Haven, Connecticut, and has a wing named after her there. And she was known to build houses for various family members and donate money to charity, whatever she was able. And that definitely doesn't strike me as a hostile witch-like figure that some of the legends have made her out to be. I'm going to close out this section with one last known fact. Sarah passed away from congestive heart failure in September of 1922. The Winchester house was passed on to her uh, secretary and niece, who sold it at an auction. It's now on the National Register of Historic Places and a tourist attraction known better as the Winchester Mystery House. It's like the Disneyland of creepy historic places. Pretty much. Okay. Who's still with us? I know that was a lot. How are we doing? They're not talking back. It's a podcast. No, I was talking to you. Oh. <laughs> <I wasn't laughs> okay, so <laughs> at this point in the podcast, we're going to go ahead and transition into our personal experience while we were at the Winchester Mystery House. So if you are not interested in that portion, now is a great time to tune out. Or don't. Yeah, please don't. It'll be fun. We'll also be chatting about some ghost stories people have told over the years, mostly employees at the house. So fast forward to that if you like to, even if you aren't a believer. I think the lore is always interesting to learn about. So um, many people, including ghost hunters, employees, and visitors, have claimed, claimed that the Winchester Mystery House is haunted as fuck. 
Um, there have been multiple, I, I think Ghost Adventures went there twice. Um, ghost Hunters, there's tons of psychics that have gone there. Um, Harry Houdini went there back in the day to try to debunk the hauntings there, apparently. And he said that he was unable to. How true that is, I'm not sure. But either way, um, from my experience in the house and on the grounds, I can confirm there is a lot of paranormal activity there. But that was not surprising to me at all. Um, I guess a good place to start would be with the seance room. Because why not? Why not? That's what most people are interested in, I feel like. Yeah, I, I think um, even on, like, you know, on TV shows and even just people taking pictures, they always want to see the seance room, which is interesting to me. Um, I did pick up on some energy there, but not as much as you might think. And that kind of surprised me because I was actually expecting a lot in that room, especially if that's where she held her seances. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, weirdly enough, so the main place I felt drawn when we were in there was this little window at the back corner of the room. I didn't see anything. I just felt very drawn to that spot. And the secret room behind the seance room felt a little creepy to me, but I feel like that's probably because it was a secret unfinished room, like with the insulation still exposed and like all the bare boards and stuff. Do you remember that? No. It was, it was weird. Like, all the... It didn't have any wallpaper or anything. It was just, like, bare bones of structure, basically. So, you know, honestly, that might have been why it felt creepy to me. It, I don't think that it necessarily had anything to do with anything paranormal. Um, yeah. I don't know. What, what did you think about the seance room? Did you have any observations? I just thought it was cool. Um, I didn't really feel anything or see anything there just was cool the idea behind it and that there was a secret passageway because secret passageway yeah i would i would just take that secret passageway just for fun like she could basically just sneak around her whole house because of all the secret passages and stuff yeah, that she had super slowly and like that's true yeah <laughs> one inch at a time like got a little sarah hobbling through the house <laughs> takes hide her, and like, go seek would be like count to a hundred it would take her like 10 hours <laughs> to get from one side of the house to the other and the poor lady <laughs> um moving on so yeah not a ton in the seance room sorry to disappoint you guys um so the hall of fires uh, we talked about that a little bit. The I, I, I've noticed some interesting energy in there. My body felt very heavy, and I got a bad headache while we were in there. It went away as soon as we left. So I am assuming that it was something to do with um, the energy in there. And I, my first thought was that maybe since Sarah spent so much time in the space when she was having bad days with her arthritis that maybe there was something residual there from that. It may not have been related at all. It just seemed interesting that that was what happened while I was in there. It was all very physical, and the energy just felt really thick. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, um, foggy, I guess. Did you notice anything in the Hall of Fires? Uh... No, I don't remember. I might have had, like, a headache, but that was about it. I noticed more things when we did the hard hat tour than, um, 
I was going to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and the, guys, this is all just the regular tour. Like, when you pr- purchase a ticket to go to the Winchester Mystery House, this is just the bare bones tour. Nothing added. Just in case you are interested in going there. Um, going on to our first apparition of the tour. Um, I saw the figure of a woman standing near one of the fireplaces in a bedroom off of the Hall of Fires. So, supposedly, that was Marion's room back in the day. Marion was Sarah's niece and also worked as her secretary for a long time. She's the one who inherited the house when Sarah passed. I don't know whether the woman I saw was Marion or not, but I felt the same spirit at a few points throughout the house. So, either way, it felt like it was someone tied to the property. Um, she didn't really acknowledge me or anything. She was just kind of standing there, just chilling. So, um... Yeah, just interesting. Um, ballroom, the ballroom. I think the ballroom is another place that people are always really fascinated by. Mm-hmm. Um, probably it was it was a really freaking cool room, guys. It was. Just from an architectural standpoint, it's everything you imagine a ballroom would look like. <laughs> you can just picture, you know, all the lush dinner parties and events that she would have had there, you know? It was just, like, stepping back in time. Anyways, um, when we were in there, there's this huge organ against one of the walls, and I saw a different woman playing the organ. She was wearing a black dress, and she didn't turn around, but I did see her go over to this little sitting area off to the side of the organ. They have, like, a little um, table and chair and some books set up, and it just looks like a little reading nook, almost. Um, again, she didn't acknowledge me or anything, didn't seem bothered by our presence at all. Like the, the presence of this huge tour of probably what, 20, 30 people <laughs> coming through her space. She literally did not seem to even know that we were there. Um, which is interesting to me because in a lot of instances where I've encountered spirits, they seem to acknowledge you in some way, even if it's just looking at you. But these, these spirits didn't, they were just kind of probably so used to it that they just do their own thing. Probably, yeah. Yeah. It's not like somebody's coming into your house for the first time in 20 years and you're like, who the hell? (laughs) They're just, it's been going on for like 100 years, guys. I really did like the ballroom, though. Like, I was kind of drawn there, but I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you why, but I did really like it. Like, one of those places you could just stand there and just stare at it for a long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. Um, Another thing I wanted to touch on before I forget, there was a safe that was found in that room. I think fair... No, it might have been right after she died. Don't quote me on that, guys. But there was a safe. And um, when they finally got it open, you know, thinking, of course, there's going to be, like, riches in there, all they found in there was two locks of hair. One was her daughter's and one was her husband's. Kind of like Casper, you know? When all of his most valued treasures are in the safe and it's his baseball glove. I know. Isn't it sweet, though? I'm like, uh, this woman wanted to protect, above all else, these two pieces of her beloved daughter and husband. That was all she had left of them, physically. I just thought that was really beautiful. Makes sense, though. Like, money wasn't a thing to her. She had it coming in. She probably didn't even know what to do with it, but the locks of her child and husband is the only thing left of it. Like, Mm -hmm. she would protect that over money. Yeah, absolutely. 
And, you know, they were taken so suddenly from her, too. You know, I would probably feel the same way, honestly. Anyway, um, moving on, we, uh, like we said, we did pay a little extra to go on the Explore More tour, which is also called the Hard Hat Tour. They literally give you a hard hat. It's really cute. It's a fashion statement. (laughs) And it takes you into parts of the property that weren't previously open to the public. So with that portion of the tour, we got to go into the barn, the attic, the witch's cap. Um, I touched on that briefly earlier. It's that room, or I think Naomi did. It's that room where she supposedly held some seances in, where you can hear your own voice reverberating back at you. Um, We also got to go to the servants' quarters and the basement. So I think we should talk about each of those areas really quick, because there was a lot more than on the regular tour. So good. Yeah, um, I was going to bring it up, but you did, you beat me to the punch. There was a lot more activity on the Explore More tour. Yeah, up in the um, top floor, like the hayloft area or whatever it is, um, I would get really cold in spots and then also uh, headache, but not like your normal headache, like a pressure. I don't know how else to describe it. It, it almost, to me, felt like sinus pressure. Yeah. But... A little different like um not painful just there yeah and very sudden oh i also got nauseous interesting in the hayloft area yeah interesting so when for me in the hayloft area um i did pick up on activity there i didn't see anyone in particular but i felt like i was being watched the entire time and i kept seeing shadows moving around starting by you know like another thing to keep in mind this was not like a normal portion of the house so I mean there were lots of old pieces of furniture up there there were lots of like old stained glass windows and weird stuff in there on our way up to the attic so um I would just see these shadows like darting behind things almost like they were trying to hide from us and um you know, I, I mostly just felt really, really heavy. I felt the pressure, too. I didn't feel nauseous while we were in the hayloft that I remember. But, um, and then when we did go into the attic, um, same thing. I got really lightheaded. I saw those shadows again. No full-blown apparitions, but really intense energy. And it felt masculine to me. So, um, I don't know if maybe it was... It, it it almost struck me as multiple people. I don't think that it was just one thing or one person. It was like just a conglomerate of energy. I don't I don't feel like I would have felt that way if it was just one person. It was just like all at once, you know, from all sides. It wasn't just like, "Oh, hey, there's someone just over there." It was it was crazy. Yeah, lots of activity, very heavy. <laughs> Um, so much that it affected us physically. So, any other thoughts on the hayloft or attic? No, I don't think so. My only other thing I would like to add, um, not to do with the paranormal, but they did have some really interesting stuff up there. Like, they, um, I think it was in the attic that they had that really old picture of the house, what it used to look like before the earthquake. Oh, yeah, they did. Do you remember that? That was cool. Um, and it was glorious. So, and then we could kind of see, you know, she'd point out which part of the structure we were in at that moment. So it was kind of cool to see on this antique picture where we were in 2019. (laughs) So, um, 
Then we went into the witch's cap. Um, in the witch's cap, I didn't really see or feel anything that was out of the ordinary, but... It was just cool. Yeah, it was a really cool little room. Again, they had lots of old furniture and such. I think a lot of people donate antiques to the Winchester Mystery House, too, because it's a historical site, so they know that yeah, everything in it... Yeah, I remember right, it, most of the furniture is not original. It's not, because it was auctioned off. So they sold pretty much everything that was in the house um, before it was dedicated as a historical site. The part on, you know, not to knock anybody or anything, not at all, but on Ghost Adventures, he, there was this part where he was like, I know that you died in this bed, Sarah Winchester. And I'm like, that's literally not the bed that she died in. (laughs) Because during the tour, they tell us that it was donated by some rich person somewhere. (laughs) I'm like, nope, not the bed, but okay. That's why she's at the piano. (laughs) Yeah, she's at the piano, not the bed. Because the piano's hers. (laughs) Or organ, whatever. (laughs) But yeah, so Witch's Cap, um, yeah, I mean, whether they held seances in there. It's funny because all the seance spaces or places where she supposedly had a seance were not really that active to me. I don't feel like you really had much of a reaction to those spots either. No. Um, the coolest thing about the witch's cap was honestly the... Because if you stand in the center of the room, it's like you're wearing speakers and you can hear your voice in both of your ears at the same time. It's weird. Like, the acoustics of that room are spooky, but that has nothing to do with the afterlife. It's just cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also went up to the bell tower briefly. It's that portion of the house that sticks up above everything else, as bell towers usually do. But um, when you look at a picture of the house, it's just, I mean, yeah, literally a tower that sticks up. (laughs) But the energy up there felt very peaceful to me. I felt like I could just go to sleep up there or, like, curl up with a nice book and a cup of tea and just hang out. So I don't know if maybe it was a favorite spot of the staff that used to work there or maybe I'm just a weirdo. I don't know. But either way, it was a really pretty view and it was peaceful. Okay. Any thoughts on the bell tower? No, not really. Yeah. Is that the place that we just sat at and just hung out for a little bit? No, that was the servants' quarters. Oh, okay. That was the servants' quarters, yeah. On um, bell tower, we literally just walked, walked up there, in. looked, walked out. Yeah. That was it. So. I didn't really have anything with that. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, yeah, moving on to the servants' quarters. <laughs> I saw the spirits of several women running up and down the hallway. The energy was very light and happy. There was honestly nothing heavy there, and I'm assuming they were the spirits of people that used to live there, although there's no way to confirm that, obviously. So, um, yeah, the servants' quarters, that's where we were sitting. That was, like, their common room or whatnot, or what they used as their common room back in the day. Yeah, okay. So what did you think about that? I liked it, actually. It was nice, right? It was good yeah. vibe. It was very cheerful. Like He's like, yeah, we can hang out here. It was fun to me. And, of course, I don't know if this is how it was back in the day, but um, everything in the servants' quarters was painted, like, this nice yellow color, but not, like, a gross yellow. It was a bright, cheery yellow. You know, it just felt like a very happy place. Which I guess if yeah. you're getting paid three times the normal wage back in the day. <laughs> and you also have a place to chill. Yeah, like, you have a place to live, you have friends. <laughs> I would be pretty happy, too. So, I mean, yeah. Good vibes. Last but not least, the basement. 
The basement. Which was actually pretty creepy. It was. It was really creepy. Um, so the basement is interesting because you go in through this like little atrium hallway thing off of the kitchen, I think. Or maybe it wasn't off the kitchen. I don't really remember. I don't remember what part of the house it's in, but you go through these. It's basically like cellar doors that you go down into. Um, and then you go down into the foundation of the house, essentially. Um, basically, yeah. all of the brick walls that are down there are just the foundation of the house extended. The tour guide said that that's probably one reason why the house wasn't completely demolished during the earthquake, though. Because it was built so deep into the ground. So I guess, um, you know, in hindsight, it was really good that Sarah did that. But there was a lot of operation that went on underneath the house, like moving things. They had lots of a series of tunnels down there. So it was they also had, like, functional. A boiler or some sort of like thing down there that they used to. They used to heat the house. Yeah. It was one of the first forms of like. It's one of the first houses to have heat. Yeah. In general. Because this was a long time ago. They had, like, was it coal that they brought mm-hmm. in, and then they'd put it in there and shovel it in? Like this all happened in their basement. Yeah, yeah. Um, so lots of work for the staff, but um, it yeah, really incredible feat of engineering, honestly. And um, it was one of the first houses to have an elevator. Just quick side note as well, which was not common at all. But she only used it for her plants. Yeah, she did. She did. <laughs> Sarah Winchester is goals, you guys. She used her elevator for her plants. They had their own elevator. Okay. <laughs> Plant mom goals. Anyway, sorry, we're getting off topic. Um, The basement. The basement. So when we were walking down through the tunnels, um, I saw this weird shimmer down one of the tunnels. Like it looked like something was moving down there, but I couldn't quite tell. And it was dark, so, I mean, but there was nothing no person down there or anything. Yeah, so, it just I mean, felt like someone was down there, but, like, I didn't see anyone per se. Yeah, like, I didn't see any full-blown apparitions, but there there was a lot of energy down there. I think, um, you know, again, not negative necessarily. It was just a lot, you know, and I think that partially um, that could be because of, you know, the fact that so many people worked below the house. I mean, it was just a very frequently traveled area interestingly enough it's like the underground city keeping the Winchester house running um yeah so I mean those were my so main die and you're going to like the Winchester house would you most likely go back to what you were comfortable with or like the area or space that you're in that you've seen last or that you... Are you asking me personally or me as a medium? Medium. Okay. Um, you know, weirdly enough, that's a lot of times what I've seen with spirits that I've encountered is they go back to somewhere they were very comfortable or that they... Um, so You know, sometimes it can be like they're stuck in a loop or something, but that's not the feeling I got from this. It was more just that's their home you know so that's where they went it just made sense for them to be there i was saying like that would make more sense as to why the energy is in the servants 
quarters or in the basement because that's where they all worked or that's where they all um, hung out. They weren't hanging out in the servant, I mean, in the seance room yeah. per se or the um, yeah, that's true. The other parts of the house. They were up in the other areas, which so maybe when they die, their spirits went in there and that's why we feel the way we do when we go into those different yeah. areas. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was it was definitely a very interesting experience. It was pretty intense. Like I remember by the end of the tour I felt pretty drained, but it was really really cool. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I had as far as things I felt or saw while we were in the house. Um that's not to say that there's not more, obviously. This was like also keep in mind I was on a tour with a bunch of other people so this is just stuff I saw like as we were going around (laughs) hearing all these interesting facts about it so um Naomi is going to do a little section on um known ghost sightings in the house okay this is her area of expertise (laughs) who knew (laughs) There have been sightings of a worker in the basement area pushing a wheelbarrow. Interesting. The same spirit has been seen in the ballroom area near the fireplace, and it's thought to be the spirit of a former worker named Clyde, who was employed by Sarah Winchester for many years. Um, There are also workers that have claimed to see Clyde that work at the Winchester house now. And employees at the Winchester Mystery House have also claimed to hear footsteps and see apparitions in the third-story hallway where the servants used to live. So that makes sense to my theory. Okay. At one point while working on restoring some areas in the Hall of Fires, a worker felt someone tap him on the back. When he turned around, no one was there. I couldn't find any sightings of apparitions in that area, but it's definitely active in one way or another. And that's, um, you know, a lot of, like I, like I said, it wasn't necessarily a bunch of apparitions happening. It was just, like, an energy all around me. Who knows? Maybe it was Sarah being like, excuse me, I'm trying to treat my rheumatoid arthritis. Can you please get out? <laughs> like the most polite little ghost ever. People have, in fact, seen the ghost of a woman playing the organ in the ballroom. Sarah actually hmm. played the organ, and many think it's the spirit of Sarah herself. So I might have seen Sarah, is what you're telling me. Yep. That's freaking cool. How'd she look? I, I didn't, I mean, good, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. For a ghost. <laughs> as good as you can look, I suppose. When you're missing a body. Yeah. When you're just a soul, disembodied, floating around in the world. Um, You know, I did want to also add, a lot of people, like we talked about at the beginning, made Sarah out to be this crazy lady that just built this huge house for all these spirits that she supposedly thought were after her or that she felt some guilt over. That may have been true. I'm not going to say that it wasn't. You know, I obviously don't know. None of us know. Um, And we won't be able to ask Sarah herself. But... Maybe in the seance room. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Get out your Ouija boards. We're going back. <laughs> uh, you know, the the feeling that I got from the house was nothing but friendliness and peace and happiness. I mean, there was heavy energy. Don't get me wrong. Like, right. But heavy is not the same as bad or crazy or angry. Like, it's 
it's not the same at all. I never felt afraid. No, not at all. Um, I did also want to just very, we're not going to go into it because it's a whole nother episode, but, um, they did make a movie a couple of years ago called Winchester. Really? About Sarah Winchester. Yeah. We should watch it. We should have watched it before we recorded this. (laughs) We'll just do an episode that's just Naomi reacting to the movie. (laughs) Um... It was highly theatrical and not factual whatsoever. That's so why we didn't watch it. Yeah, and you know, I went to see it in the theaters, and like, it was, oh, for a horror movie, it was good. You know, it, it was interesting. And they filmed it in the actual house in a lot of portions, and Helen Mirren is um, Sarah Winchester, and she's just phenomenal, of course. But, um, you know, that that's just kind of the image that, Sarah Winchester has is like this crazy old lady that just built and built and built and had all these angry spirits in her house. Like I never once felt any restless spirits in that house. Like I just felt people who lived and maybe even died there who loved Sarah, loved the property, loved the house. You know, it um I think that Sarah probably was sorely misunderstood as well. I just Um, I know that you and I kind of talked about this, but I think that, you know, she was a lady who had lost her only daughter and her husband, like, and so many, so many people in her life that were dear to her, and she was just kind of by herself, you know, and her workers were her family. I think that's a lot why she let that groundskeeper live in that house, Mm -hmm. and then also bought him, like, I mean, built him a brand new house that's bigger, because they were her family. Like, that's why she paid them. That's why they always wanted to be around or work there. Yeah, I mean, she was, I think, a good person, and probably not crazy at all. I think if she was crazy, it was probably, like, the genius type of crazy. You know, Mm -hmm. how really smart people come across as a little baddie. But I think it was just because she was highly intelligent. Don't you think? I mean, this woman designed her entire house. <laughs> and that's truly amazing. And she was this, like, tiny little 4'11 thing. You know, I mean, just really an incredible woman. I just wanted to talk about that and just give props to Sarah Winchester for being a fucking badass. Do you have any other thoughts? Nope. All thought out. <laughs> All thought out. That's going to be our closing line for each episode of the podcast. Well, all thought out. Bye. (laughs) Anyways, um, if you have questions, thoughts, concerns, um, you can email us. We have an email now. We do? We do. (laughs) You don't tell me anything. (laughs) Hey, you told me this was just my thing, and I just needed to do it and tell you about it later. Okay. Um, yeah, if you have ideas for locations that we should do or, you know, anything along those lines, let us know. I would also like to know about if you've had any ghost encounters, um, that you saw one or someone tapped you on a shoulder, you were in a spooky area and something happened. I would like to know about that too. Yeah. Yeah. All of those things. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
If you have a spooky story you want to share, have any questions, or have a suggestion for our next episode location, send us an email. Our email address is paranormalhistoryinfo at gmail.com.